Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, and this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the results from yesterday's games and wagers before diving into the full slate of betting plays for today, as well if you listen to the podcast version of this show later on on all podcasting platforms. We talk about the New York Giants with off-the-ball president Chris LeBron, so stay tuned for that later on. But our episode today for the live show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including MLB, WNBA, and EPL right now. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with our number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. So go to bet99.com to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS to get started. Please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so. Now, let's talk about yesterday's betting recap. We had a two and four day as we posted on Twitter this morning. Just about broke even though, given that we had the Manchester United draw no bet yesterday. Massive plus 250 hit yesterday. Was very happy with that given that I'm a United fan in my regular life. And so we did miss out on the over three and a half goals. Felt like United might win 3-1. They probably should have given they hit a post on a wide open chance early on. But nonetheless, there was goals from Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, and Mo Salah scored for Liverpool. What really switched the everything for United was sitting Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think Maguire's going to find his way back into the squad for quite a while, and you can see why with how they played yesterday. Then Braves run line versus Pitt. Unfortunately, they win the game, but just two to one. Michael Harris, the second, hit a home run, as did O'Neill Cruz for the Pirates. In that two to one game, we also had Odorizzi as a player prop, as we talked about on the show yesterday morning, over four and a half K's at plus 122, which we cashed as he had seven. But then the other two MLB games didn't go our way. Dodgers and Brewers over seven and a half missed. It was a four nothing game for the Brewers. Uriah and Haria hit home runs for them. And then the St. Louis first five minus a half versus the Cubs misses. Zero zero was where it was at there, but the game finished one nothing for the Cardinals there. Now let's talk about other game results from yesterday. The White Sox lost six to four against the Royals. Amir Garrett came in in relief and got the W in one inning pitch. Waters and Melendez with RBIs in the bottom of the eighth clinched it for the Royals. Then you had the Yankees four to two versus the Mets. Domingo German, six and a third innings pitched and three Ks. Judge and Betatendi both hit home runs yesterday. Or sorry, Judge hit a home run. Betatendi had two RBIs 
on the day. Then you had the Phillies won four to one versus Cincy. Noah Syndergaard went seven innings pitched, just the one K, but got the win regardless. Castellanos and Bryson Scott went yard. Then you had Texas won two to one versus Minnesota. AJ Alexi went two and a third inning pitched in the victory for Texas. And Corey Seager hit the winning single at the top half of the sixth, which Brad Miller scored on. Then Tampa Bay won two to one versus the Angels. Jeffrey Springs, he went five and two thirds with seven Ks. Randy Arozena, he hit the lone home run yesterday for Tampa Bay. And then you had St. Louis, as we said, won nothing over the Cubs. That's because John Montgomery pitched a nine inning gem with seven Ks while Albert Pujols hit the lone home run in the win. He is just a few shy of tying Alex Rodriguez for fourth all time. Then you have Miami. They won three nothing over Oakland. Edward Cabrera, he hit or he had seven Ks over eight innings and Charles LeBlanc hit a solo bomb. And so let's talk now about today's betting slate. Uh, We're not going to touch too much on preseason from yesterday. The Jets won, but who was tuning into Jets Falcons for some preseason action? So let's jump forward. Let's look at today's slate of games. Uh, Quite a few on the slate. Now, EPL League Cup is happening today, so definitely one to keep an eye on. There's a few noteworthy matches, a couple that will be in our betting card, but you got Bolton and Aston Villa. You got Norwich City and Bournemouth. You've got Brentford and Colchester and Everton versus Fleetwood Town. Now, these are tough to judge because sometimes you do see these Premier League sides maybe not put out the best lineup for these games. And so you could see a slip up here, but we like a couple value plays here, even one involving an EPL side and a championship side. WNBA playoffs is today as well. You have the Chicago Sky. They're minus seven versus the New York Liberty. The over-under on this game is 164.5. Now, we got burned on this one a few days ago. So we're staying away, and we're just going to tune into this game. I still find it very odd that the WNBA decided that the clinching game would be featured in the eighth seeds building or in the team that shouldn't be favored in this game. It is very odd to me that they do that. But nonetheless, Chicago goes on the road where they're hoping to clinch the three-gamer over the Liberty You've got Candace Parker on the Chicago Sky side, and then you have Sabrina Ionescu on the Liberty side. But if I had to lean anywhere, I'd be leaning the over in this game. But as I said, likely just going to watch. I think the Liberty will put up a fight, but I could see the Sky pulling away, which is why I'm not betting that minus seven spread. MLB-wise, we have an early first pitch today, just before 2.30 Eastern time, which is Cardinals versus Cubs. You do have the Cardinals who are minus 175. The over-under is eight for this game. You've got Wainwright on the mound, who is a 3.11 ERA. And then you've got Assad, who has not had a win or loss on the year. So I do tend to lean Cardinals here. Won't be betting this game. Don't love these early games, especially on a Tuesday. So going to stay away from that game. Then we have a just past 7 o'clock Eastern time first pitch for the Reds and Phillies. Now, the over-under here is eight. You got Lodolo going for the Reds and Suarez going for the Phillies. Two guys who have pitched relatively well in recent uh, games. I would lean the under in this game. Going to stay away because I don't love taking the Phillies. Even on the run line at even money, just not a bet that I'm looking to make when Suarez, while he has pitched well recently, could be due for a tough start today. So I'm going to stay away from this one. Then you got the White Sox versus the Orioles. White Sox are minus 135. I do like this play. 
We'll touch on it in a little bit, but you've got Cease going with his 12 and five record versus Aaron Voth, who's three and one on the year. Then we have the Braves. They're minus 275 versus the Pirates. This is a definitely a fade opportunity. I actually think it could have upset potential because you have Max Fried on the mound, who's 11 and four with a 2.6 ERA. The tough part is the Pirates have JT Brubaker, who's burned a lot of people this year because he's three and 10 with a 4.19 ERA. But the reason why he hasn't won many games is he hasn't got a lot of run support. Brubaker probably is the best pitcher in this rotation. He burned some people in his last start. So this is one that I would definitely stay away from. When Brubaker pitched against Boston, he went seven innings, no earned runs, and just two hits. So he's coming off a great start. Would maybe look at Pirates' money line for the sprinkle at plus 225. If not that, then I would take the plus 2.5 at minus 125. Then you've got the Yankees there, minus 130 versus the Mets today. You got Tayon Walker going for the Mets, who's 10 and 3 with a 3.37 ERA, going up against Montas, 4 and 10 with a 3.87. Now, the Yankees are favored minus 130. I don't love it. I think the Mets today with Walker have great potential to pull off the upset. They are the better team out of these two. So, at plus money, at plus 110, despite being on the road, I think the Mets could get the bats going today against a weaker starting pitcher. We'll stay away, but that's one that we would lean heavily on. Giants minus 220 versus the Tigers. Over under here is seven and a half. You got Rodon going for San Fran. You got Hutchinson going for Detroit. This one's a part of our card. I think you guys know where we're going to go with this one, but we'll announce it in a little bit. The over under here is also seven and a half. I do tend to lean the over in this game. You got the Rays, who are minus 175 versus the Angels today. You got Corey Kluber, who's 7-7 seven and seven today, taking on Suarez, who's 4-5 and five with a 4.12 ERA. This is one that we're just going to keep an eye on. Would lean Rays, money line at minus 175. Yes, it's a little bit juiced, but do like the Rays today if we had to go anywhere with that one. Blue Jays are minus 140 versus the Red Sox, Stripling versus Winkowski. Uh, I do like the Jays today, but this AL East matchup, I think, could go either way, so we're staying away. You also will have the Cardinals and Cubs going again just past 8 o'clock Eastern time. It looks like it's going to be Woodford and Sampson. Betting lines still not released for that one. Then you got the Astros, minus 340 with Verlander on the mound against Annabelle Sanchez. Uh, Overall, I just don't love it. Sorry, Aaron Sanchez, not Annabelle. Um... We got burned by Verlander a few weeks ago on our survivor pool, so we're going to stay away, but would heavily lean the Astros. You obviously won't take the money line at minus 340, but potentially the run line, even though it'll be a little bit juiced. Then you got the Diamondbacks minus 125 versus the Royals, Davies versus Heasley. Going to stay away from that one. You got the Rockies minus 120 versus the Rangers. The over-under here is 10.5 because they're in Colorado at that altitude. You got Dunning and Marquez on the mound. If I delete anything, I would lean the under in this game because I don't love either batting lineup, but going to stay away. And then to cap it off, the final four games, these are the late ones that are going to have first pitch past 9.30 Eastern time. You got Savale and Clevenger. This one's a part of our card. You got Lopez and Logue. Marlins are minus 140 versus the A's for that one. You got the Nationals and Mariners. Feedy versus Ray. The Mariners are also minus 270. And then you got the Brewers and Dodgers, Burns versus Gonsolin. Going to be a great matchup. Over-under is seven there. I would definitely take the under. 
but it's not a part of our official betting card. So let's talk the hedge morning plays that are a part of our card. We got five for today that we really like, starting with a couple of English soccer matchups. So Bolton versus Aston Villa. We're taking Villa first half money line at minus 112. Now Bolton, they're a third tier English side. A number of years ago, they were up in the Premier League, but they've fallen on some hard times. Despite being at home, I think Villa are the far better side. I see them coming in winning comfortably, 2-0, 3-0 type win. Despite being on the road, I do like them today, so I'm taking the minus 112. Great value there. Norwich City draw no bet versus Bournemouth at minus 125. Now, Norwich, they are the championship side here, uh, but they are a side that could get promoted. We saw them go down last year, and I think they're taking on the worst team in the Premier League this year in Bournemouth. Now, Bournemouth coming off a couple tough, tough EPL results. So I'm rolling with the green and yellow here. I think Norwich at home, they have a great opportunity to upset and advance in the League Cup. So I'm going to roll with Norwich City, draw no bet. Then San Francisco run line versus Detroit at minus 125. You got Rodon on the mound, who's 11-6 and six with a 2.89 ERA. The Giants had an off day, but they just beat Colorado the day prior. Drew Hutchinson's pitching for the Tigers, who's 1-6. and six. I'm just strictly riding with the starters here. I think Rodon can go seven, eight innings. I don't think that Hutchinson's going to get past five. Detroit, they've won two straight, but they've also lost two of their last eight prior to that. So this is not a great Tigers team. This is a good Giants team. I'm going to roll with Rodon to get it done on the mound today and the Giants bats to get to Hutchinson early. Then you got San Diego and Cleveland over seven and a half at minus 120. Now, Savale burned us a few days ago. But he is pretty inconsistent. Yes, he's had a couple good starts in a row, but I think this is a great letdown spot because the Padres have not played great baseball over the last month. I think this is an opportunity to get the bats going. Clevenger, he's usually solid at home, but he has given up an average of three earned runs in his last three starts. So I think you can get a couple runs off him along with the Padres' bats going. Maybe you add a run or two late in this game. So I think it's a good chance for the Padres to right the ship and for Cleveland to extend their lead, potentially in the AL Central. Either way, whoever wins this game, I like the over. And then to cap it off, White Sox money line versus Baltimore at minus 135. Dylan Cease on the mound this year is kind of a ride or die for us. Uh, last time versus Baltimore, he had seven innings pitched and just one earned run. Now, Voth went three innings, one earned run his last time versus the White Sox, but he does have the 4.86 ERA on the year. So I'm rolling with C's ride or die on the mound at minus 135 to cap off our plays for today. But if you're listening to the podcast version of this show, as we stated at the start, stay tuned for the New York Giants preview. Not a great team, but a great guest in Chris LeBron. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. It is August 23rd, which means our 23rd NFL team preview is upon us. We're in the home stretch. We're into the final 10 teams. And yesterday's discussion was all about the Minnesota Vikings. We talked a lot about Kirk Cousins, how the new head coach and defense would look. And so give the, go give that episode a listen today. But also, we're going to talk today about the other NFC team that we're talking about from the NFC East. It's our second NFC East team being the New York Giants. Now, today I am joined by a passionate Giants fan. He may live in the past talking about Eli Manning a bit too often, but he is allowed to when I am a Dallas fan. So he is the president of the Off the Ball Network. He is Chris LeBron. Chris, how are you doing today? 
Hey, Ken. Uh, thanks for that intro. Appreciate it. Uh, it's been a while. I feel like I haven't done a show a little bit, but uh, yeah. Uh, passionate about the Giants. It's been <sighs> rough to say the least, you know, but I'm used to, I'm used to my teams losing. I'm a Knicks fan. And I'm a fan of a lot of teams that haven't won a lot. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm used to this losing stuff, but uh, I, I think we might be on to something. Maybe. I've been wrong before, so. <laughs> It could be just, you know, but uh, it feels like good things are coming in New York. So uh, I'm excited and I'm excited to chop it up with you. For sure. Now we're going to talk about that Giants team from a year ago where you mentioned it earlier, the team that didn't win a lot. And uh, so they went 4-13 and last year under Joe Judge. Their wins were over the Saints, the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Eagles. So they go 1-5 and in the division. Overall, a disappointing year. Danu Jones got hurt for part of that year. Uh, Saquon Barkley was hurt as well. Team overall was just banged up throughout and the coaching situation clearly just didn't work out. And so they moved on from Joe Judge. So what do you make of last year? And now that Judge is gone, do you maybe have a renewed sense of optimism heading into this season? Man, to be, to go start from the jump, I wasn't crazy about the Joe Judge hire at all. Um, Not that I'm against special teams coaches because like Harbaugh is a special team coach for the for the Ravens and he's done obviously good things, but it, it just, it didn't feel right. It felt like Belichick all over again, trying to be about, and we've seen that a lot from, you know, his tree, right? Everyone, you know, Patricia, you know, McDaniels, you know, when he's at Denver uh, and his, his like few seconds with the Colts, you know, <laughs> flip flop, you know, those coaches just, it just, they try to emulate that Patriots way and it just doesn't work. And he, kind of felt like that was happening here and he just there was just no identity i mean the the, the play calling the mismanagement the the roster it, it just was a mess these last two years and then last year was really it showed and uh you know we've kind of been very inept these last since coffin left like a bunch of coaches you know constant turnover every two years feels like we have a new coach Shermer was the one two years ago and and ben mcadoo but uh you know Last year was rough, obviously injuries too. Saquon wasn't playing up to his potential. Daniel Jones just did hasn't really gotten better, <laughs> didn't get better at all. And there's many factors. He may simply just not be good, but he also has had a lot of coaches. And it's hard to just learn new offenses after new offense after new offense year after year. And then when you don't have good offensive coaches too and you have to learn from that, that doesn't help either. So. Last year, I don't even want to take a talk about last year. Last year was just like, <laughs> you know, the, the defense is again no no pressure from the court. You know, there's no no pressure from the quarterback. You know, a rookie, you know, Aziz. I think he led the team in in, in sacks uh, as a rook. But uh, that's it. You know, it's just you know the linebacking core inept. You know, secondary. You know, was okay, but you know, uh, last year was just. Don't want to. Last year is last year, and hopefully this year with this new coaching staff, new regime, seems like there's a bit, a bit, a bit of a a a new energy, new. uh, You know, Saquon looks, you know, ready to go. So it seems like you know Brian Dable is really bringing that, that uh, what he's brought from you know, coaching under Nick Saban and and being in Buffalo these last few years with Josh Allen. Seems like he's bringing that culture from those environments, that winning culture from those environments and and, and it seems like you know uh the players are are really vibing with him you know uh so 
feels feels like this could be you know a start of maybe something you know getting back you know where we were you know not too long ago yeah for sure i mean when you look at heading into this year i mean the one blessing is that we won't have to see mike glennon take any more snaps with the oh, giants oh, oh, oh my god oh my god <laughs> it, it was painful on sundays knowing that mike glennon was going to be taking snaps for any franchise let alone the giants yeah but you know what's crazy i liked like i used to do a lot of like before i got like heavy into the basketball like draft and all that i was doing a lot of football like i love drafts any type of draft i love cover it and, and I remember he was at NC State, I believe. And I liked him. And he had a good rookie year in Tampa Bay. And then for whatever reason, I think the next year Tampa Bay took uh, Jameis. And then he, he just, like, he forgot how to play football. Because he has a rookie. You look at a rookie year, you're like, maybe they got a steal in this, in this guy. Yep. Now, he was solid. He looked like a competent, you know, starting, maybe a starting caliber quarterback. And then I don't know what happened last year, but that man did not deserve – I don't even think he's on a roster right now. I could be wrong. Maybe he was in a camp on camp for some team that just needed bodies, but he was dreadful. Yeah. Dreadful. Like, it was so <laughs> bad. Like, I couldn't believe they were like, you know what, We're this is what we're going with this week. And not like they had – other alternatives because they'll um who was the other guy they had um forgot his name that they played and uh, oh jake Fromm, um he wasn't any better like i mean i remember watching the game where i think glennon got benched and and Fromm came in and like Fromm went like six of whatever like below 50 percent and i was like oh wow this is this is good this is better than what we were seeing and but it's still not good it's still all dreadful, but it was like it's better than what we're seeing the last three weeks with Glennon. But uh, you know, Daniel Jones injury really like not that we had any hope, but once he yeah. got hurt with the neck, it was like all right, and it's anytime a any starter gets hurt, it's gonna hurt your chances in the NFL big time. I mean, it's just gonna knock you down a couple games from where you could potentially be as a roster. And yeah. when you look at what they're gonna have heading into the year, they've got Brian Dayball, the new head coach, they've got Mike Kafka, the new OC there. So it's a new regime, a uh, new offense. Now, the nice part is they did go out. They brought in Mark Glowinski uh, out of Indy, so they're going to beef up the O-line a bit. They do have Tyrod Taylor as a backup on a two-year deal. So we might see Tyrod at some point this year because if Jones doesn't live up to what people are hoping he can do under this new regime, then this could be his last year as a starter. There is the potential that he may even get benched at some point for Tyrod, who's kind of had a rough go and he's been a good veteran QB. And then they also go out in the draft. They get Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon at number five. And then they get Evan Neal, the tackle out of Bama at seven. So the offensive line issues appear to have been addressed in the offseason at least a bit. And then they get a bit more of a pass rush. They also added Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky. So they get the wide receiver in the second round there. So Moves are starting to happen with the Giants. Now, is there enough of off-season moves for them to truly start to compete? And I think Vegas seems to think so with, with the over-under seven and a half wins. But what do you think about their off-season? Do you see them com- being in a lot more football games this year as long as they have a healthy quarterback? Yes, even, even if Daniel's not the guy. Like, Tyrod is – Tyrod didn't – Tyrod came here because he felt like he had a, a chance to play, right? Yeah. Like he's he can beat him out. Now I think Daniel's going to be the starting quarterback. He'll be announced as starting quarterback. He hasn't he hasn't like lit it up, lit it up, but he hasn't 
done anything to be like, okay, he doesn't deserve to be the starting quarterback yeah. going into week one versus Tennessee Titans. But Tyrod's there for because he thinks he can be the starting quarterback. And to, to give Daniel Jones a little like, hey, you know, you know, you got to step it up, bro. Like not he, Mike he, Glennon behind you anymore. It's, it's a not guy. Mike that Glennon. Can play. Yes. It's yeah. a guy who's been in the league, has won football games, you know, and played at a high level, right? And so it's like, you know, Daniel, and listen, Daniel got his, his fifth year option decline. So if you don't have motivation, Daniel, and yeah. and then in my, you're cooked. And, but um, just one thing I'll say, they're going to get a, a wide receiver to get a touchdown this year. No wide receiver had a touchdown. Ken, you know how hard that is than I have a wide receiver to have a touchdown? Uh, a starting wide receiver, like like they they signed Kenny Galladay to what seventy two million dollars, and obviously that was under the previous regime. And I don't want to talk about previous regime because that, that yeah. was just going to yeah. make me sick. But 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 I will point out, like the Kenny Galladay signing was there, and and I made a Twitter thread a number of months ago pointing out all the wide receivers who had better years than Kenny Galladay, oh, and, and it stuck. was and it was an extended list of guys that that didn't get signed to those big contracts and he quite frankly didn't live up to them. So now he's, yeah, that's a he's bad, obviously going to be competing with Tony for targets. Um, he needs Wandel. to step up his game with Wandell as well. Like this is going to mm-hmm. be a solid wide receiver core, not a great one, but it is one mm-hmm. that has a couple guys that have some potential here. So yeah. how good can some, the Giants some... be? They're going to be better. Yeah. Now we talked about this before we got on. How better is that can go a lot of way. I think when you look at them on the field, now wins and losses aside, when you look at them on the field, they're going to look like a better, more complete football team. Now whether wins and losses, and you said Vegas is seven and a half, I believe I, we're going to probably hit that under. <laughs> but and they might have the same wins as they had last year. What they had four wins last year, it might be a four-win football team. But they're going to look like a lot more competitive and they're going to be you're going to look at them and be like okay that four win team from 2021 and the four win team for 2022 two different teams even though same amount yeah. of wins but they're going to be in a lot more football games and, and they're going to fight they're going, they're going to battle with the cow they're not going to look inept against the cowboys you know or against yeah. the eagles they're going to they're going to battle you know and week one they have a test against tennessee i know tennessee lost a lot yeah, and people are down on Tennessee, but Tennessee but, but this still is has... a good like this is a good barometer game of like okay, where are we at? Because if this Tennessee yes. team is as depleted as they are from years past, then this is definitely yeah. a measuring stick of hey, if we can at least compete with this group that we're assuming will be close to the wild card, probably won't get in, but they'll be close to it in the AFC. Then we have something to look forward to moving forward. Like when I look yeah. at the Giants team, I see it as a potential six win team, maybe even seven is the high end of where they can get to but it's because you have that backup that you can rely on where if it jones gets hurt or doesn't play well then you can lean on tyrod i think tyrod's got some good football left in him where he can win a couple games even if an injury occurs again and you improve the offensive line you still have some weapons there saquon now has no line to run behind which he hasn't had in a couple years so if yeah, he's I going to be, if he's going to be that top five back that he was when he was projected coming out of college, then it has to be this year. Now yes. we're not projecting this team to be a playoff team, so we're throwing playoffs out the window. But Saquon has the potential of of an offensive player of the year type year, just based off of his potential and and how good he can look at times 
when he has a good offensive line. I'm not coming on my own show and saying that Saquon's winning offensive player of the year, but he has the potential to get into the conversation with a much better offensive line. And this is a team that we've already seen the injuries on the defensive side. Thibodeau's got the MCL sprain. He'll probably be ready for week one, if not week two. They did lose the linebacker, Darian Beavers. So he's going to be done for the year. So the defense is already looking like they got a couple of banged up guys. But offensively, Saquon is this offense. And I think that's why he was drafted where he was. They were trying to build it around him. So I think he has the potential to have a really good year. What do you think of Saquon's chances this year? I I haven't felt this confident with Saquon in a few years. Um, I think he's motivated. I think he wants to get paid. Yeah. And whether it's from the Giants or whether it's from a different team, if he has a monster season, someone's going to either want him and pay him. And so this is a big year for him. You know, a lot of banged up banged up years last year was just not good at all um and uh some on his part some obviously the offensive line was just in shambles but the offensive line is vastly improved still still not a great unit but you got some young guys and evan neal and andrew tom andrew thomas who took last year from georgia third pick and then this year they took um neil from bama um and then they upgraded with with feliciano and and galinsky and shane lemuse back uh he he was hurt last year you know they took him last year in oregon he's he was like an underrated pick they took they they took him in like the mid rounds last year but uh it's it's an upgrade you know his offensive line is upgraded so he should see some some good holes um and and if the the passing game is anything an ounce better than it was last year it's going to open up some lanes, and I think he's going to be used a lot in the back as a you know receiver. I think we might see some of the how he was used, you know, especially that first half of his rookie year where he was catching a lot of passes, and he and he was, you know, I think he was two thousand yards on purpose. Like yeah. he, he has Saquon has thousand yard, you know, thousand you know Marshall Falk thousand yard thousand you know receiving yard percent like ninety catch. He's that type of you know playmaker. You know, he has tremendous yeah. hands. You know, he's 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 green space. It's all about health and, and him just being confident. You know, he says he wasn't confident last year. I yeah. feel like just from watching camp and, and when I was there at the at the fan fest, he looks confident. And I I, re, I truly feel for the first time in a few years with Saquon that I feel like he's gonna have a good year. If he health health aside, if he's healthy, if he's playing fifteen plus games, sixteen games, whatever. I think he should have close to 2,000 yards on purpose. Like that's, and if it's not, then I think we know what's going to happen with him as a, as is regarding his future as a giant. It, it may not look bleak. Cause remember, this is not the staff that drafted him. They yeah. don't have, they're not invested. They don't in have the ties to him that previous regimes. Like Gettleman, like Gettleman. I mean, and we can do a whole show on how I think he's <laughs> running that, that how that, but that's a whole different thing. We, you know, but, uh, they're not tied into that was the get regime. This is Joe Shane. He's going to put his identity on his, this football team. Listen, they came from Buffalo. Shane and Dable came from Buffalo and we've seen how Buffalo looks. They, they, yeah. they built a nice, they built a nice football team, a team that's on the cusp of maybe getting to the super. I mean, we, we might've saw the super bowl between them and the chiefs. Like that, that's probably was a super bowl. Like yeah. that game was just, that, everyone was like, that should have been the super bowl. Like, and we did mm-hmm. see a good super bowl, but like, the Buffalo Bills, they they built they, they were part of a reason why they they their Buffalo Bills are where they are right now. So, and uh, but 
Saquon should have a bounce back year. He should if he's healthy. Yeah. There's no reason to think he can't have two almost two thousand. Especially now they have another game you're adding. Yeah, the th- th- there's no reason. There's no excuses for him anymore. And and there no. was for a couple years there where it's like, well, look at his O line, look at his offense. Well, and a the O-line's coach. improved. Yeah, and, and the coach. You got a coach who knows what he's doing. Like he yeah. knows what he's doing, and he's going to be able to, you know. Obviously, when you have holdovers from previous regimes, Saquon's the one guy where you're like, okay, you may have been, but we're going to figure it out because you're too talented. You're the best player on the team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? You're the best player on the team. So, you know, now I feel like he's going to have a bounce, really good bounce back year, and he's going to, he's going to prove why he may be in line for a, a nice little payday. Yeah, and part of the reason why I said I like the Giants as a 6-7 win team was just looking at the schedule side of things. Now, the over-under, as I said, was 7.5. Vegas feels pretty confident in the under. That's why it's minus 154. The over is plus 126. So they feel like the under is there. And I feel like when you look at the division side of things, you feel pretty good that you can split with Washington. And you feel like you got to get a game off the Eagles or Dallas at some point. So I think two wins in the division is probably a realistic expectation. Best case scenario, you sweep Washington and you take one off the other teams and you go 500. But when you look at the rest of the schedule, there's a lot of bad teams on that schedule for the Giants. Like, they, they go through a stretch where they play Jacksonville, Seattle, and the Texans. By week yeah. in Texans. So in a four-week span, you play some pretty bad teams. And you can so pick like, up wins there. Yeah, and then they play Detroit. And Detroit, you know, I know we everyone loves them, but hard knocks and all that. But they're still, you know, they they only won one game throughout the first 12 games last year. So, like, they're yeah. still trying to figure out their well, way, too. So and, that's and a really early football on, game, too. You open with Tennessee, Carolina, Chicago. So Yeah, so, like, the schedule is A lot of teams of, are question marks. And yeah, I, I think it's realistic to say, okay, if we're pointing at maybe eight games on the schedule, non-division-wise, there's no reason that you can't win half of those, that you can't go four and four, you tack on two or three division wins, there's your six or seven win team. I think that's a realistic expectation for the Giants this year. And it's completely attainable. Like, not yes, even talking really about is. Daniel Jones potentially taking a step with the new head coach in OC, like, because if he takes the next step, okay, maybe we do start to talk about the over. Now, I'm not going to go over with this Giants group, but I think that the 7 and 10 is attainable, especially in this division, especially with the schedule. I think it's something to definitely keep an eye on. But yes, they can get seven wins. Talk- like, they can win seven ball games. Like, they can't. I don't think they can, simply because I still think there's a lot of holes on this football team. But if you told me they win seven games, you know, they could start off. Just looking at their schedule, they can start off three and four. You know, then yeah. like you said, the, the start of the schedule is not like. Would you be surprised if they go to Tennessee and beat them, especially with no. Tennessee and all the 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 question marks with Tannehill? Who's he going to throw the football to? Yep. You know, it could take some time in Tennessee with how things have changed. So I wouldn't be shocked. Like the Giants is one where, look, I think what's going to happen is you might see some people in some survivor pools that right out of the gate try and get Tennessee out of the way. And then they get stunned week one because it happens yeah. every year. You look at the okay, I don't want to, I don't want to pick Buffalo, I don't want to pick Kansas City, I don't want to pick the Chargers. Let's get the Titans out of the way, and then suddenly they lose to the Giants, seventeen to fourteen. Right, so that's kind of where I could see it potentially going. Now, fantasy wise, this is a pretty, it's a pretty bleak fantasy player option that you have here. Like, let's be honest, we're not touching tight end with the Giants. Like we talked about it before we went live. They got 
a rookie there, but you're not drafting him in fantasy. You have Daniel Jones, no. but we're talking about a QB that unless you're in a two QB league, there's really no reason to draft him because you, if, if he plays well, say he takes the next step, you can pick him up on waivers anyways. So yeah, he's a waiver wire guy. Yeah. So not a lot to talk about from the QB and tight end perspective, but Saquon at running back, and then you got a couple wide receivers there. So we'll start with Saquon. His ADP, they've got him at 21. So you can get him late second round if you're very fortunate early third round. I think he's gone by the time the second round is over. But when we're talking about the range that he's going, you've got he's ahead of Javante Williams in Denver and Leonard Fournette in Tampa, but he's behind Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Now, everything that I've read out of Green Bay is that it's 1A, 1B with him and Dylan. So I actually like Saquon a lot more than Jones from a fantasy perspective this year. Javante could get some carries taken from Melvin, but Fournette is the number one there in Tampa. So last year, Saquon, having missed four games, he was running back 30. You talked about it. He didn't have a great year last year. So with the improved O-line, do you feel confident drafting Saquon in the second round this year? I think I have him in my personal rankings. As the fifth running back. So I, I, who's he behind? Okay, so I'm going like, to... Who are the four uh, ahead of him? So it's... Um, Taylor? It's t- Taylor. Um, Henry? Taylor, Henry. Eckler? Uh, Eckler. Oh, wow. Eckler and... Oh, who's the fourth guy? Do you have Christian McCaffrey ahead of him? McCaffrey, okay. So those four guys. Okay. So you uh, have like him ahead Jones? of Galvin, you have him ahead of Najee, you have him ahead of Mixon this year. Okay, what yes. is it about Saquon for you that you think he's the fifth best running back? Is it just the O-line gonna, getting better? They're going to run him down. They're going <laughs> to run him down. They're going to run him down. Like, And that's why I kind of like um, a few guys, uh, like Josh Jacobs too, because I like they, they declined his option, they're going to run him down. So that, that, that might be good for fantasy reasons. I think yeah. that's going to happen with Saquon. I think he's the best player on the offense, and he might have be the most reliable receiver right now, you know, because Tony had some injuries last year. Galladay, we don't know what Galladay we're going to get. Are we going to get the one that led the league in touchdowns with the, the Lions, or are we going to get the guy who had no touchdowns last year? We don't yeah. know. And there's no tight end, too. Like, you know, I, I know he had Evan Engram the last few years, but at least he was a capable tight end, you yeah. know. Leave it. But uh, And we don't have that, so – I think they're going to run Saquon to the ground, to the absolute ground, and get every ounce out of him where they're going to run him, you know, 15, 20 times. If he makes sure, you know, he's going to get, he's going to get his targets. He's going to get 100 targets. You know, they're going to try, they're going to run him ground. That's why I like him so much in fantasy. I just think they may be down a lot of games where he's going to get those cheap dump, those cheap, you know, dump downs, you know, uh, check downs. I, I think he's going to have a monster fantasy season. Monster fantasy season. I, I, I see the potential in it because the O-line's improved and you've got, if he plays the full 17 games like we're talking about, that would be a top five season. Like, yes. if he plays all 17 games, he could be RB1. He, he has the talent in fantasy world to be RB1 overall. Yeah. Because he the last couple of years, he's been a late first, and then two years ago, he was going, like, second overall. So, yeah. I took clearly, him number the potential one is two there. Two years ago. Yeah. Uh, before he tore his ACL against the, a bear, right? Two years ago. I took him number one. And yeah. I got gun shy last year and, and didn't take him. But this year, I feel confident taking him, even in the back end of the first round. Because I just yeah. think after you get past those initial running – like, I still like McCaffrey. I know he's been banged up last yeah. year, you know, these last two years, but – 
he's still it's hard to pass up. Eckler's going to get all, a lot of catches and, and a lot of run. And also with Saquon, there's no one behind him that you're like, all right, he's going to take like with with Aaron Jones and Dylan. Like Aaron Jones has Dylan behind him, so like Melvin he's going to take away Javante. It's the and same Javante, thing. Like I want to take Javante in the first. I like that's one guy I want on my all my fantasy teams. But it's like Melvin Gordon's Melvin Gordon was good last year. Yeah. <laughs> There's he a reason why they re-signed him. They clearly liked what he was giving them because yes. they didn't have to do that. I guess yes, exactly. Mean. Like so, like I just feel like wh- who's who's taking any like significant snaps from away from Saquon other than injury, other than injury, no one. Like Matt Breida, Gardner, Breida's solid, but Breida's hurt a lot too. Yeah, Breida's a solid backup, but I, I'm not worried about him taking away carries no. from Saquon. So it's like, like he, he's only getting lot. carries. He's only getting carries if Saquon gets run four plays in a row and they need him to go off. For exactly. A he's like, going to get a few carries, obviously, you know, just simply because, you know, you, you need to have someone else to, to, to run. But like, other than that, like Saquon doesn't have competition behind him. He's not worried that yeah. he's, he's going to get all the reps. He's going to get all the he's going to be playing a lot of snaps. So the, like, the usage is certainly there for him. So given that. You've got Kadarius Tony, who's like a 10th round guy. You got Kenny Galladay, who's a 13th, 14th round guy. So they're both going later in drafts. Are you saying that you wouldn't draft either of those guys, that it's basically Saquon or Bust? Or, or is there a receiver in this offense that you would feel okay drafting as that late round flyer could potentially be flex play guy, if not, then a bye week guy or injury guy? I don't know. It's. Realistically, Galladay should be like a your wide receiver three. I just I don't know what I'm gonna get yeah. from him. You know, and even in camp, he's dropping passes, but then there's times he looks good. But you, it's hard to to camp reports are always like yeah. it's it's tough because it's like it's <laughs> that's camp. that is the worst part about yeah. having like the sleeper app, especially that's where I get all the rankings from, and you get that man, what a catch by this fourth wide receiver that in the regular season is going to have five catches for 35 That's, yards. Yeah, like, exactly. That's why it's, like, it's so hard to go by like camp and, oh, this guy looks good in camp. But it's like, all right, what? who is he going against regularly? Like if it's like the fourth receiver, that means he's probably going against the second unit. Okay, yeah. you should look good against it's, – it's just hard to, to – to, to, uh, unless you're there, unless you like have – yeah, uh, get the actual like, insight the to it. Extra, the story actual insight, it. unless you know for like the coaching staff, then it's really hard to dictate. Like, but um, it should be God. But I, if I had to give like a a receiver, I would want it would be Tony, because if he's healthy, yeah. I feel like he's the more dy- he's the most dynamic. Like he like yeah. he had the game against the Cowboys last year. We think like he got 180 did. plus yards. Like, and he looked good, but he got was hurt. So that's another thing is injuries. You know, he he's gonna yeah. have to show that he's healthy and. There were some signs that they may have traded. He was like in trade rumors because, like I said, he's not their guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, but uh, I, I think um, if he's healthy, I think he's someone you should probably, you know, take a flyer on late. If you have one, any wide receiver option from the Giants, that's the one I would probably target. I would stay away from Galladay. Um, he should get a hit touchdown this year, you know. <laughs> he should I get mean, his if he touchdown. doesn't, then he's going to be out of the NFL this year. <laughs> yeah, and, and they got a lot of money tied up with him, and it's not their fault. It's obviously Gettleman's fault, and I, you know, yeah. that's why you can't say I, that I mean, the thing, name the, around. Giants the thing about Tony, 
is that where he's going, so he's with the Tyler Boyds, the Sky Moors in the KC offense, the Chase Claypools in the Pittsburgh offense. Outside of Sky Moore, like to me, he's the guy with the highest upside just because Boyd, you know, is the third guy. Claypool's probably the third guy now that they have Pickens there. Kenny Galladay, to me, I might draft him in the last round just to stash him in case he kind of has a reemergence this year, but... I still think that there's probably better options in that range than Kenny Galladay. So I don't know if I'm even buying into, into having him. So for me, it's Saquon or bust. Um, if you don't get Saquon in the second round or, or late first, as Chris thinks that he should be going, then uh, I think you kind of stay away from the giants fantasy wise, but Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. Always appreciate you coming on the show, uh, promote your work, promote the network, everything you got going on and tell me at the end, what are your expectations for the Giants this year? Ken, thanks for having me on. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Off The Ball Pod uh, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow the Facebook page, Off The Ball Podcast. Then you can follow the network at OTB underscore network on Twitter. Uh, make sure to go offtheballnetwork.com. we got a bunch of good articles. Um, check out all the sponsor stuff we have. we got a bunch of cool sponsors and all that. Check that out. That Any, uh, any help, if that helps out the network. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, I got, a I haven't pod in a while, but I have a project, uh, that I'm working on regarding Sebastian Telfair and like his high school career. And I'm going to dive into that. Um, I'm working on like a script right now and getting all the, get everything, you know, uh, situated as far as, you know, how I'm going to go about it and do it. I'm trying to get some some former coaches or some players on and working on that, them emailing. So I'm hoping to get some, some, uh, potentially some former teammates or coaches or people who are around them during that time. Cause it was a really crazy, especially me being from New York. That was a wild time. You know, he played my school, I remember in the first round and I think he won by 30. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was a, it was a wild time. It was a crazy time for New York basketball. And I just wanted to just, just, uh, just let people know about him because I know they did the point guard doc and they didn't mention him. And that was yeah. kind of disappointing because um, to me, he's, he should be up there because he's, yeah. he was very pivotal. Uh, I mean, he was on the cover with LeBron James stuff. He was going and playing against Dwight Howard. Like he should have been mentioned, you know, I, maybe I missed it, but I don't remember him getting mentioned in that doc. Um, but uh, I just wanted to just tell people about how great he was, how great of a high school player he was because he was special yeah. from the jump. You know, this man was a special, you know, winning city championships, state champ. Like, he did everything. You know, he was a, he's a legend around here. So, working on that, I'm excited about that. Um, don't know when I'll drop it, but uh, I mean, it's in the works, and uh, I'm excited about that one coming out. But uh, but as regards with the Giants, predictions, if you want to do Vegas, that under, se- under 7.5 is probably likely. But honestly, I just think they're going to look better. They're yeah. just playing going to look better. Where wins and losses. I'm not expecting a playoffs or anything, but the schedule is is kind of favorable. They could sneak some wins, um, so maybe you know a six win football team. But as long as as long as there's they're going forward, I think that's the most important thing, and I think that's what they'll do this year. They'll be moving forward, and they'll look like a a, a competent franchise with hope going into next season. I definitely, as a Cowboys fan, don't feel as confident playing the Giants this year as I did last year. Um, I think the expectations that I have for them is just like yours. I think it's just to compete more. If that means you win one or two more games, if that means you have the same record, then 
at least just compete at a higher level. And if Daniel Jones isn't that guy, you're going to find out this year. You're going to have the ability to go and get a, a franchise quarterback next year in the draft. And then New York can finally start to rebuild the Giants. So appreciate you for coming on, Chris. Always appreciate everyone who tunes into the Competitive Hedge podcast. Drop us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Really helps us grow. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Competitive Hedge podcast.